What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Greg Freeman, and I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at New Vision. Today, we're going to be continuing in the book of John, and we're going to be in chapter 18, verses 28 through 40, and I am reading from the Christian Standard Bible Translation. Before we get going, a little bit of a recap. Here in John's Gospel, we're seeing Jesus' time uh, come closer. Now, remember in the beginning of chapter 18, Jesus was betrayed by Judas, and he was arrested, and he is sent to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas. Now, this is not an impartial questioning that he's undergoing through Annas and Caiaphas was the same one who suggested that Jesus needed to die back in John 11. So he's questioned by the high priest, then he gets sent back to Caiaphas. And John, in his gospel, doesn't elaborate on what happened with the Sanhedrin, but the synoptic gospel accounts show that the interrogation was a farce. And to be clear, it was not a trial. It was an interrogation by people who are not at all concerned about the truth and already have their minds made up. In fact, Mark's narrative explains the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death. And there were plenty of people giving testimonies, but they were all false and contradictory. And even uh, these uh, Pharisees who wanted so desperately to convict Jesus realized it wasn't carrying any weight. Matthew tells the same story in chapter 26, and Luke gives a briefer version in chapter 22. So as we start our scripture for today, we know that Jesus had been arrested and the Jewish hierarchy has conducted their kangaroo court, but they very much wanted to kill Jesus so that he would be eliminated as a threat. However, within the Roman Empire, the Jewish leadership had very strict limitations on who they could kill. They could really only kill people who violated the temple. So they were under the authority of the government of Rome. Since they didn't have the authority to kill Jesus on their own, they had to get the Romans to do it. And that's where we pick up in verse 28, with Jesus being taken to Pilate, the Roman governor. So here we go with John chapter 18, verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves, otherwise they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Pilate told them, You take him and judge him according to your law. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating what kind of death he was going to die. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied, Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Verse 37, you are a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this and I have come into the world for this to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth, said Pilate. After he said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no grounds for charging him. You have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? 
they said about not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a revolutionary. Now, this interaction with Pilate is interesting in that Pontius Pilate, although ultimately weak and fearful, he didn't see the same things or have the same fears that the Pharisees did. So Pilate wasn't anti-Jesus. He was indifferent. He just didn't want to create a ruckus among the Jews in Jerusalem. And from his position as governor, he understood that no crime had been committed and certainly not a crime against Rome. He has this dialogue with Jesus, but he's not really listening. He's listened to the Jewish leaders because he is charged with keeping the peace. It's a matter of expediency. In fact, Pilate was probably in Jerusalem only because it was Passover week and the Roman governor tended to be present when there was a chance for civil unrest. After his conversation, he tells the Jews there are no grounds for charging Jesus, but he's going to do so anyway because he's more concerned about pacifying the Jewish leaders. He even attempts a compromise, offering to release, release innocent Jesus in exchange for a true criminal, a rebel. That And that's ironic because Barabbas was far bigger threat to Rome than Jesus ever was, but that's who Pontius Pilate uh, let be released. Now, in verse 38, Pilate asks, what is truth? Now, isn't that a question that permeates our society today? And as we think about Pontius Pilate, it's easy to see his lostness, and through that, we see the lostness of our own culture. Now, consider this. Pilate asked, what is truth to Jesus, who himself is the truth? And with the full canon of, of Scripture so readily available, our culture continues to ask, what is truth? The answer is really pretty simple. Jesus is the truth. But so many people choose to reject the truth of that answer, the truth of the truth. Rather, they would create their own truth as part of their relativistic mindset. They trust their experiences over the truth of the Bible. People may trust their convenience or their comfort over the truth of the Bible. Sometimes truth is hard. Pilate asked what truth, but he allowed truth to be compromised when he condemned an innocent man. Pilate asked what is truth, but he really wasn't looking for the answer because truth was literally standing in front of him. So this is the scenario. A human judge, confused about truth, condemned the righteous judge of the world. Now, I guess we give Pilate a little bit of credit for recognizing the story that the Pharisees told him was not true, but he still compromised and he accepted what he knew to be false. He compromised because it was the safest, more convenient thing to do. Now, I'm confident no one listening to this is currently a Roman governor, but it's still a very important question for us to ask ourselves, what is truth? How would you answer that? On what do you base truth? You see, as flawed human beings, we have a tendency to put ourselves front and center. It is our nature to define as true that which we want to be true, even though it sometimes takes a lot of mental gymnastics to get there. But the Bible is clear. John 14, 6 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In 2 Timothy three sixteen, Paul writes, All scripture is inspired by God. Some translations say God breathed. So we know it's true if it's coming straight from the Lord. The psalmist says, The entirety of your word is truth in Psalms 119, verse 160. That is the entirety of your word. And this is where truth is found in the Bible. God is truth. His word is truth. As believers, that's what we stand on. Now, we need to remember that we don't get to pick and choose what truth in Scripture we like. As humans, it's tempting to accept the truth in some areas, but dismiss it in other areas. Don't we tend to do that in those areas we personally struggle, where we're easily willing to dismiss the, the truth of God's Word? It's very easy to be selective about what we consider true. 
But at the end of the day, if it's in God's inerrant word, we have to accept it as true. And that can be difficult, but that's how we honor God. We must avoid the temptation to be like Pilate or the culture and try to make our own path. That's the path that leads to destruction. Now, when we have a right and true view of God's love, however, we are better positioned to see how his truth intersects with his desire for our good. So, you know, as I read about Jesus being brought before the Sanhedrin, then Pilate, I can get frustrated by how blatantly unfair that process was. Here in the Western world, we tend to have this notion of fair and impartial trials. And even if the reality is that fair and impartial isn't always the case and that truth is not always sought or found, it's definitely something that we aspire to. Now, the real truth is that as Christians, we understand no part of this passion narrative is fair. If you think about it, the entire premise of the gospel is unfair. The entire promise of the gospel is unfair. The perfectly blameless, perfectly holy, perfectly innocent Son of God pays the penalty for the sins and failures and horrors of all mankind. That's not fair by any definition. But it is what Jesus chose to do. In fact, every aspect of his arrest and interrogation was known in advance by Christ. Back in verse 4 of chapter 18, John writes, Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Who is it you're seeking? When the soldiers and officials came to arrest, knowing all that would happen to him. And then he came forward. He knew every detail of his impending crucifixion. Luke tells us that he sweated blood as he was in the garden praying. He knew what was going to happen. Now what happened to Jesus here with the Sanhedrin, here with Pontius Pilate, here on Golgotha was not fair. It's not fair by any stretch. But he put himself in that position. He put himself in that position for you, and he put himself in that position for me. He put himself in that position for humanity. It's not fair, but it was necessary. It was necessary so that people like you and me have the opportunity to have a relationship with God the Father, to spend eternity with him through the atoning work of Jesus the Son. And at the end of the day, that is the truth of the gospel. And if you haven't already, I pray that you understand it and accept it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.